What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here, back with another FCS conference preview. Like I said, we're going to have a series of team and conference previews, and we got my guy, Kevin Marshall, from FCS Nation Radio, man. One of, one of the best guys that I know in this space covering the FCS, and he personally reached out to me when I was getting into the space, so I got a lot of respect for him, and they do great work over there at FCS Nation Radio, man. But Kevin, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, man, just tell me with that kind introduction if your last name has multiple double letters in it or something. I do appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, it, you know how it is, man. But listen, a lot of people talk about playoff success and national title contenders, and a lot of people this year are looking at it as a two-horse race with South Dakota State, North Dakota State coming into the season as by far the favorites. But looking at the SOCON this year, um, a history of a long history of playoff success in this conference. In your opinion, which teams in the conference are primed for potentially a really deep playoff run this year in 2022? Look, I've said it everywhere I've been talking about the SOCON. There are a lot of leagues where you kind of know what's going to happen, right? And the pundits, you know, will kind of say, well, you know, unless an asteroid hits Earth, you know, either North Dakota State or South Dakota State are probably going to win the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And the two Montanas and are going to be really good in the big sky. But in the SOCON, man, you just don't really know. And anybody who says that they do ain't telling you the truth. Uh, East Tennessee State, look, they seem to be primed. But there's, a, you know, there's some things that have gone on around that athletic department since you know, the uh, whistle or, or the final gun in Fargo of their playoff loss to the Bison that have been a little strange, that been, uh, you know, uh, just a little odd. You know, the AD leaves just last week, kind of odd timing for that, right? A month out from football season at the time. New head coach there in Johnson City, who's been a successful head high school coach in that area before. But as we all know, uh, you know, there are some people who get elevated above their ability. And, you know, you can be a good high school coach. You can be a hell of an offensive or defensive coordinator. But can you run your own program? And we won't know that and uh, about the Bucks and Coach Quarles until, you know, they get on the field. You know, I, I, I think he's smart enough not to go in there and try to, you know, change a whole bunch of stuff because what Randy Sanders did worked. But obviously, it's your program. You're going to put your stamp on it. It's just a matter of how stubborn are you to have it be your team and have everybody notice it, right? But Chattanooga, look, they brought in, I mean, what, uh, almost half of an FBS football team, it seems like, in yeah. transfers. But they've done this before. And they ain't sniffed the playoffs since 16, you know? So, I mean, at some point, you know, you have to say, well, that this is just who they are. You know, they're a underachieving, very talented football program. And I think this year is going to be quite telling for the Chattanooga Mocs. I mean, people seem to either be picking them or BTSU to win the league. But let's not forget that Chattanooga was a 6-5 team last year. And they had every opportunity to get to the playoffs. They couldn't beat the Citadel at home on the last week of the regular season when the Citadel had nothing to play for but pride. Now, everybody who knows, anybody who went to the military college of South Carolina knows that there is no small amount of pride associated with that particular school and that football program. They don't lay down for nobody. 
But the fact that they had everything on the line, the Citadel's playing for nothing, really, and you can't beat them in your home stadium for a playoff berth, maybe that's just who you are. Because, you know, they quit on the spring season, you know, and I've always heard that the if you quit once, well, it's way easier to quit the second and the third and the fourth time than it was that first time. So maybe that's just who the odds are. I hope not. I like Coach Wright a lot. I think he's a very smart and very talented coach. But we'll have to see. Uh, and I know in the notes you want to talk about Mercer. Well, look, maybe this is finally Mercer's year. I mean, the people in Macon, Georgia have been waiting for that for a while now. You know, they started off really well playing in the Pioneer League. They came into SOCON. They didn't get blown out their first couple of seasons. They were competitive. But they've been, you know, a touchdown here and a couple of games three, four years now from being a playoff team, you know, being a SOCON champion. And, you know, they just need something to bring it all together. And, you know, it seems like maybe this will be their year. But when you go down further – any, you know, picks from the coaches and the media types, you know, look, uh, when you talk about Western Carolina, that's a team that not a lot of people want to see on their schedule. I mean, they ended the season on a roll. They're going to score a lot of points. The only question is, can they stop anybody? And, you know, speaking with people around that program, you know, they're going to be young on defense and they're going to be fast. So if they're going to make a lot of mistakes, man. They're going to make them with a quickness. You know, so there's that, right? I mean, can't teach speed. So we'll just have to see. But as you go down further, I mean, all of the picks were made before people knew about transfers who were coming in to particular teams. I mean, the Citadel brings in 13 graduate transfers, more than they've ever had before. It's the only type of transfers they can take. One of them, including a quarterback from Wofford, Peyton Derrick, who was pretty good for them. Uh, kind of got pushed out at Appalachian State and then kind of got pushed out at Wofford because they don't want to run the triple anymore. But they have an experienced hand in there uh, who can do very simple things, like hit somebody who's wide open 10 yards down the field to make the linebackers back up. You know, Citadel didn't have that the last couple of years. Now, Jalen Adams was a threat to take the ball of the house every time he had the ball in his hands. But they ran a lot of stuff for him. And so maybe instead of a true triple option, it was more of a double option. You know, very few times did the ball get to the perimeter. Well, you know, that's where the big plays are in the triple. So, I mean, that, I think you might see that the fact that Derek isn't a blazer, you know, he isn't a super fast guy, may make that total offense more efficient. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you got Destin Mack, uh, you know, who, who – I don't know why he's not on people's All-America list. He should be. Uh, got Dominique Poole, uh, you know, uh, got some votes uh, for uh, freshman of the year last year. Carson Hatchett, you know, they're going to be solid on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that if you're a SOCON fan, I mean, the one thing you don't want to see are the two military schools pick very low. Because, look, man, uh, those guys don't need any more chip on their shoulder. They already have it. And, you know, that it's going to be a super interesting year. Somebody who's picked seventh might win the whole thing or who's picked sixth might win the whole thing. And like I said, there aren't a lot of leagues that are like that. And I would hate to try to be handicapping the SOCON in Las Vegas. I mean, I think you just flip a coin. 
That's a fa- that's a fair assessment. I know, you know, I did a way too early prediction of the conference. Probably, man, it was probably back early summer before you know the recruiting was over. You know, uh, some guys entered their names in the transfer portal, and I really liked Mercer, but losing Davis at the running back spot was a really big loss unexpectedly too. I mean, came out of nowhere, and yeah. I think that might impact that team more. But I think if you look at the defensive side of the ball for them with Lance Wise and some of the guys they bring back on the defensive line as well, maybe they can overcome early. But I think a lot of the SOCON teams, man, like you said, I, I think the the degrees of separation in this conference are probably a lot less than you see from top to bottom in other conferences. But you kind of beat me to my to my punch about Mercer because, I, like I said, I picked them in my way too early. I'm about to start releasing my own previews on the website, so we'll see if I stick with them. But for you as a SoCon guy who has seen this conference, seen this team develop, what give me a percentage of you know chance that this could be the year for Mercer to win their first ever conference title at the FCS level? 35%. And I think that that's may be bad. being generous, you know, uh, uh, you know, I mean, and that's taken into account that maybe it's going to be shared, you know? Right. So, you know, there's, there's that. So, I mean, we'll have to see, but when you talk about Mercer, they have everything they need to be successful. Macon George goes up for that team. They have a beautiful little stadium. The uh, funding is there. Uh, you know, it just seems like, like I said, a touchdown here, a missed field goal here, you know, in, in the first couple of three years, maybe it was in three games. That was the way it was. Then it was two games. Well, last year it was one game. So let's see if, you know, they can continue to build upon that. Uh, But look, uh, Mercer did bring in some pretty talented uh, running backs. Uh, One guy from James Madison, I think Jackson is last name. Uh, so, you know, they ought to be okay there. And, you know, I, I think the question for me would be about Mercer would be the offensive line and the defensive lines, uh, offensive and defensive line would probably be pretty good for them. But you mentioned Lance wise. I mean, the SOCON is a linebacker driven league. It has been for a long time. And wise is one of the best you'll ever see. I mean, the guy, he's good in coverage. He can uh, come up and uh, stop your run game. And he gets off of blocks, too. I mean, there are a lot of teams in Georgia uh, who are not FCS that would really like to have had Lance Wise. But also, you know, when you look at Chattanooga, I mean, All-America offensive linemen, All-America defensive linemen. You know, uh, you had a first-round draft pick, Cole Strange, uh, in, uh, in the last NFL draft. But you want to talk about a school who's put some dudes into Sunday football. Let's talk about Samford. I mean, you know, uh, they've got some, and strangely enough, some guys on defense from Sanford, which is, you know, uh, uh, the Sanford Bulldogs are, are not known for playing a great deal of defense. But, you know, there's several, you know, defensive backs, a safety, who have come out of that place in the last uh, several years. And it wasn't just Duck Hodges, you know, who had his moment with Pittsburgh. But, you know, uh, if you want to talk about a team that has – you know, they've done the least with the most, it seems like, recently. And, you know, you have to wonder, uh, brought in a bunch of trainers as well this year. You have to wonder if the handwriting isn't on the wall there that, you know, uh, Coach Hatcher has to produce something significant this year or perhaps maybe, you know, they uh, go in another direction. But Sanford, they're going to score too, and just like Western Carolina. So, you know, the question is, like always, you know, uh, 
can they stop if if they're going to score 42 can they stop somebody from scoring 45 you know so and we'll just have to see but i mean the socon just has such a i mean you're going to see a different style of play every week you know especially now that walford is out of running the triple option so um, it's going to be physical teams are going to try to run the ball mostly uh, except for, you know, just a couple of teams who run that air raid. And, you know, you're going to have to strap up your helmet and your uh, defensive backs are going to have to want to and be willing to tackle in this league. You know, you're not just going to have a lot of guys who are going to be, well, I'm a cover corner. Well, you can't be against triple option or, you know, uh, uh, a Chattanooga team who runs a lot of power, East Tennessee State under the previous regime the same way. You know, uh, if, if you're going to have to tackle in spaces and, you know, a lot of DBs don't like to do that. So, look, uh, anybody's league to win, I think. And hopefully uh, I was on another guy show, Chris Hammond, who I know, uh, you know, pretty well, just like I do the yeah. football Chris show, you know, and uh, we talked about that, that, you know, there's. Yeah, you know, we need a team in the SOCON to get three teams in. You kind of need one to go eight. and zero. Right. Yeah. And and the other and the other teams are going to beat each are going to beat each other up. But maybe you can sneak the second and third place team in. Not sure anybody's going to be able to do that this year. So, I mean, I think it's a two bid league should be a three bid league. We'll have to see what happens further on down the line. But I know this and I know people get tired of me talking about it. I say it a lot. But, man, when you got 15 teams in your conference like the CAA is going to have next year, or the, you know, the plethora of teams that are in the big sky, you know, uh, it, it just, and then you have conferences that have nine teams and everybody plays one another. I mean, yeah. championships and playoff berths should be decided on the field, not by the schedule maker. And that irks me a little bit. And I think everybody in the world who has a Twitter account probably knows how much that irks me. <laughs> It, I, I think a lot of people know. I know you and my guy Kyler, um, big Eastern Love Washington Kyler guy there. I even bought yeah. his rep, you know, red turf repping shirt, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, and and I wear it around Montana, you know. And people don't really care for that much, you know, but uh, it, it is what it is, man. You know, uh, uh, I got a piece of the red field. I gave it to one of my very good Grizz fan friends. And he said, well, you know, I normally would burn this, but I don't mind wiping my feet on it. So, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's where that went. But, uh, you know, it, it's it again. Three teams should be the mantra for the SOCON, and I hope we can get back to that. And I don't think quality of play has led to us not having that. I think it's just been a numbers game and it's been a parody deal. And, you know, like I said before, it's one of the best things about that league, but it's also one of the limiting things for postseason bursts about that league is that anybody can beat anybody. And, you know, you talk about the team that was – I don't know if they were unanimous picked last, but, you know, maybe one – the coaches picked one, the media picked one. But, I mean, just look at how far Walford has fallen down. You know, Walford is a team that, you know, they're one of the few teams that have come – you know, 25 miles uh, north of us in Missoula coming to Washington Grizzly Stadium and beat the Grizz in the playoffs. You know, you can count that number of teams on these, you know. So, uh, and, you know, 
Evidently, they think that, you know, moving away from the triple option is something that they needed to do to advance further in the playoffs. You know, that may be true, but it don't help you to move to the spread to advance further in the playoffs if you can't win enough games to get into the playoffs, right? You know, I mean, it's like the the old, uh, you know, a cart before the horse deal there. So, I mean, Wofford is, has fallen down significantly, and there are grumblings in that program, you know, that they had such stability in the head coach for so long, you know, and then, you know, you have a guy who comes in and wants to change everything. And, you know, we're both Southerners. We, we just, you know, by nature, we fear change, right? You know, it, it's part, part of who we are as a culture, right? Uh, but at Wofford, man, it certainly wasn't broke. I don't understand why they felt like they needed to fix it. Yeah, I think you kind of saw the same thing at Georgia Tech, too, where there's still – trying yes. to kind of find their footing with with a new type of offense where they were, I mean, going to orange bowls, winning, like competing yep. for the ACC championship with the triple option. But I guess because of the outside pressure, they felt like they needed to make a change. But before we get into the predictions, one of the things that just kind of came to my mind as we were talking about other conferences, a lot of people have asked me about the SOCON and their position in conference realignment. And the word that's been used a lot is almost complacent. Because the SOCON has not lost anyone, but they haven't even really been in talks to gain anybody. And one of the things that a lot of people have talked about is the Big South, the MEAC, a lot of these conferences that are in the footprint of the SOCON seem to kind of be on rocky ground. In your opinion, do you think you do? Do you foresee the SOCON trying to make a move or is complacency, you know, the best word to describe it where they're probably not going to participate very much in conference realignment well i'm of the mantra that if you don't play football you ought to get out that's you know uh, uh you know and and or if you're not willing to fund football at the southern conference level ought not to be there hi davidson that's why you know you're no longer in the socon you know so which they would much rather be now they can tell you that the bunch they're involved in up north and basketball is 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 where they want to be and I don't think Davidson wants to be flying to a road game to San Diego. You know, I really just don't think that's true. But, uh, look, the fact that everybody else seemed to have gotten raided and the SOCON has come in to this radical realignment with the exact same lineup is pretty cool, right? You know, so, yeah, they didn't add anybody. Uh, they didn't lose anybody. So, and I think that you can tell a lot by what's going to happen with that, by what just happened with Campbell. You know, uh, you know, Campbell is a school where football is on the rise. Baseball, which is important in the SoCon, it's important in the southern states. Um, people out west don't understand that, you know, but, but it's, it's the truth. Uh, basketball isn't terrible. Uh, the fact that they had no interest, it seemed, to adding them and let them go to the CAA tells me that the SOCON's not going to add anyone. And, you know, the the nine teams that they have for football are the perfect number, they feel, and that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, Campbell was an associate member of the SOCON for wrestling. And, you know, and, and they actually won the SOCON championship a couple times in wrestling. So, and that tells you that an athletic department is serious about athletics because it's hard to compete nationally in wrestling in the South. 
it just is. It's a Midwestern Iowa, Idaho, you know, uh, uh, you know, that area of the country where they draw as many for rolling as Ole Miss and Mississippi State do for, for college baseball, right? You know, it's kind of like their version of college baseball. But Campbell's been very good at that. But the fact that you didn't add them, you had no interest in adding them and Elon, and you've allowed the CAA's tent or nose to get, to get under your tent, tells me that uh, Sparberg and the and the league office is not interested in expansion in any way at all. And I'd be surprised if they add anybody. And they're probably not going to lose anybody either because it's going to cost you two million dollars to get out. And mm. you know, uh, you know, schools have a good bit of money, but you know, and but the thing is, is at the FCS level, very few people have the big donors that are going to be able to write a check for two million dollars just because you want to go play in another conference. But you mentioned the MEAC and the Big South. Man, uh, will we even be talking about the Big South three years from now? Will it still exist as a viable football conference? I don't know the answer to that. The MEAC, you know, look, I've I've been a South Carolina State fan for a long time, you know, since uh, Coach Willie Jeffries was there. Uh, You know, it's really good football, always has been. I want to see that league do well. I just don't know who they can add. I mean, Savannah State tried to be a Division One program, and it didn't work out for them, so they've dropped back down. I just don't know where the new blood is going to come from for the MEAC or the Big South uh, to do anything but merge. Maybe that maybe end up being what you're what you're going to see. And if that's the case, you know what happens with the Celebration Bowl. You know, are HBCU fans going to be okay with Jackson State versus Charleston Southern in the Celebration Bowl? Something tells me that that's probably a, you know, a non-starter for a lot of people, you know. So, I mean, it's perilous times for those two leagues. And I would much rather be in the Southern Conference's position than those two. Yeah, I I completely agree. I know that was kind of where that question stemmed from. A lot of people look at the SOCON as almost like the escape for South Carolina State, for one, being, you know, perfectly, you know, in the geographical location of the SOCON and have a history of playing SOCON teams in the yep. season as well. So that that's a big question. Buddy Pugh doing an amazing job over there. But one of my favorite so Absolutely. I love talking to him at MEAC Media Day, but this is the SOCON preseason media poll that they dropped at SoCon Media Day. So looking at this, I mean, you see Citadel, Wofford at the bottom, Sanford, VMI, Western Carolina, Furman kind of in that mid-range, ETSU and Mercer tying for second, Chattanooga getting 18 first-place votes to, to lead the conference. Looking at this list, we'll start here. Who are your sleeper teams in the conference that you won't be surprised that are outside maybe the top four that could go on and win this conference? Well, first of all, let me say that one of those seven first-place votes for ETSU was from me. Uh, we have a fine affiliate there, WXSM in Johnson City. does a great job. But, uh, look, I think if you're looking at teams that are going to finish higher than their predictions, uh, perhaps VMI, uh, you know, that school is, you know, people think the spring was a long time ago. Well, you know, it kind of was that that weird spring season was, you know, it's been a it's been a minute now. But VMI, they lost some guys because they have no grad school. 
So, you know, you have to spend an extra semester as a key debt in the barracks versus anywhere else where you can go live off campus. At Citadel, you, in your grad school, you can live off campus, wear civilian clothes, be a normal like college student, but at VMI you can't uh, because they don't have a grad school. But I think VMI is a team uh, that uh, will uh, perhaps finish in the uh, topper, in the uh, top bit of that. And, you know, because look, they do what they do. You know, uh, they play a bit more defense for an air raid team than what Sanford and Western Carolina can. So I think, you know, they have one of the best linebackers in the country in Stone Snyder. That's a great name for a linebacker, isn't it? But, uh, uh, you know, you have uh, that. And also, uh, when you look, I know we talked about it, Western Carolina, you know, if they can figure out a way to get off the field on third down four or five times a game, they're going to be dangerous. A uh, team that we haven't talked about, and it's not just because I dislike them vehemently, is the Furman Paladins. Um, and look, uh, Furman, uh, lose the offensive coordinator. I know they brought in uh, some guys, uh, uh, new OC, uh, and, you know, they want to be more dynamic. They have one of the best tight ends in the country. But Furman was lacking a lot of team speed, it seemed like to me. You know, they had a lot of big lumbering type guys. Uh, you know, the they didn't have a, you know, that traditional uh, wide receiver that Furman has had that can burn you deep. And they just didn't have that. And we'll see if they can develop that. You know, not a lot of big plays in, in that Furman offense uh, that George Quarles, who's now the head coach at East Tennessee State, ran, except for that tight end, Ryan Miller. You know, he had some big plays for them. Furman's always been a team that has absolutely killed people with tight end across the middle. It's been in that Furman offense since Art Baker. So, but when you uh, also speaking about teams that can do a little better than projection, look, I'm, I'm a huge homer, I'll admit it, but if the Citadel doesn't finish in the top half, I'll eat my hat. And, uh, and it's a Frisco hat. So, you know, I, I, I won't season it none neither, but, Look, with the guys they brought in, the defense they have, um, I, I, look, I'm not saying that they'll win the SOCON championship. Would I? Would you need to defibrillate me if they did? No, because this is going to be a pretty good Citadel team. And uh, eighth or ninth? No, sir. There used to be a uh, – uh, that was where they were picked every year, and somehow they'd finish third, fourth, or fifth every year or second or, you know, never where they were picked. So – you know, I just wonder if a lot of the media who are picking this, uh, you know, uh, maybe just started following SoCon football like in the last two, three, four years, you know, but we'll see. But again, my friend, nobody knows. Anybody who says that they do, uh, they ain't telling the truth. Uh, Chattanooga, Chattanooga could win two games. ETSU could completely fall apart under George Quarles missing Randy Sanders, you know. Look, a lot of things have to go your way. A lot of bounces have to go your way to win the SOCON. And, you know, and, it, and that's, just the way it, that's just the way it is. I've said it before, four, five, six plays in two or three ball games going to decide the difference between who finishes first and who finishes fifth. And that's the way the league's always been. And it's just a question of who's going to make those plays. I completely agree. I mean, for me looking at it, I think my first pick would be Western Carolina just because, I mean, look when I look at a, a team that could outplay their predictions, I look for a team that was young, 
a team that lost close games, and a team that has a good coaching staff. And I, it just in my opinion, one of my favorite coaches in the FCS is Kerwin Bell. I think he is completely overlooked at what type of culture he could really build. I think if you look at his coaching history, he has a history of winning, has a history of getting the national championships, being able to recruit, and he comes in and if I'm not mistaken, I know I know different recruiting sites um, differ, but I believe Western Carolina had the number one SOCON class by like a significant amount. Yep, last and, season. And it seemed like they moved from Colorado to Florida. You know, yep. you could definitely tell a a a focus on you know uh, the Sunshine State. I'm a Kerwin Bell believer too. I mean, horrible touchdowns celebrator. But yeah. excellent, <laughs> uh, but excellent football coach. You know, worst, worst touchdown celebration you're ever going to see, right? But you know, and the fact that look, the one thing that I think may hold the Catamounts back is last year we had a quarterback that had been in Bell's system for five years, right? Yeah. And you know, this year, you know, he's gone. Uh, you're going to have to break in a new guy. And one of the things that if they are going to overachieve, one of the things they can't do is get off to a slow start like they did last year. I, and yeah. one of the things about the SOCON, too, is that unlike the leagues, you know, there are conference games early in the season. So, you know, we're going to know a lot about what's what, yeah. you know, in the first three weeks of the season. You know, the Citadel going to Campbell to open up and then hosting East Tennessee State. Chattanooga opens against Wofford. So uh, there's, you know, we're going to know a lot pretty early. And then, you know, but what's going to happen later on down the line might not have anything to do with what's happened in the first three weeks. It's just such a grind in the SOCON. It's such a physical league that when you play someone, you know, like a Samford, not it's it's almost like a week off, but they are certainly not as physical as Chattanooga is or as, uh, you know, the Citadel is, you know. So, you know, it, it's and, and can that basketball on grass type deal be successful in a league where, you know, the mantra for 50 years seems to be control the clock, move the chains, get off the field on third down and be solid on special teams, you know, that, and none of that is, you know, uh, uh, throw it 50 times, you know, isn't real conducive to, you know, that type of success, which seems to be the way you win the SOCOM. So it'll be very interesting to see. And that I know I've said it like five times, but I just want to reiterate it again. That's what makes this league so cool is that, you know, you, you just don't know. And it's exciting every year. It's a good brand of football. It's played by mostly really good kids. And I love the league. It's been a part of my life since I can remember. And uh, but I'm as hard on them as anybody. Uh, you know, I, I know that they probably particularly, you know, don't like it when, you know, uh, you know, some of the things about, you know, the refs and, you know, lack of social media interactions, you know, but. I only do that because I care about it, you know, and, yeah. and that's, and, and it comes from a place of love, you know, how about that? You know? <laughs> so, uh, but again, who knows what's going to happen? I don't, I'd like to think that I do, but I really don't. And nobody does. 
I mean, I, I like the message there. And I mean, I think, you know, looking at the potential sleeper teams, I think Sanford and the Citadel are two very interesting ones just because the transfer portal, I think, killed Sanford this year and, and also graduation, losing a guy like Montrell Washington, who is every report that I've heard come out of Broncos camp is that he is going to be a real factor at wide receiver, not just return specialist. And we know how special he is when he gets in the Boy. open field on special teams. He's electric and they lose the other all conference wide receiver. I'm blanking on his name. Now he ends up at, I think middle Tennessee state, AJ Tony. Then they lose, of course, Chris, all Duncan to, um, South Dakota State last year is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They also lose this, um, their starting quarterback from last year. I mean, they've went through a lot of changes, and they lose the um, all-conference defensive tackle to Alabama A&M. I mean, I, the list goes on and on. And then even um, the, the all-conference safety, Chris Edmonds, who probably might have been – had an argument to be the best defensive back in the conference while he was there, is off to Arizona State. So – Man, the Citadel is I mean, I mean, Sanford as good as that team has been and had so much talent. I'm just wondering, can they reload with so many unexpected, I would say, departures? And with the Citadel, I think I, I I'll say this. The the question mark for them is Alex Ramsey's health because yes. I know him coming back was a huge deal. Like I had won't say the name. When I was going to SOCOM Media Day, I had a Campbell coach on the staff reach out to me and says Anything you hear about Alex Ramsey, I need to know. He was like, because we are terrified that he's going to suit up and come out there and put on a show. And, um, you know, Co uh, Co Coach Brent Thompson said that he probably isn't going to be ready early in the season. But when he gets back yeah, and that all I wouldn't believe that. Rolling, I wouldn't believe, believe that. that at all. I wouldn't believe that. <laughs> no, no. And uh, the gamesmanship is is a, is a thing. And uh, but you're right about Ramsey. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm unaware of anybody, uh, you, know, you know, graduating from VMI and then transferring to the Citadel as a grad student. And, you know, yeah. he got hurt. Um, you know, he decided to sit out the spring. Then he got hurt before, in fall camp last year. So uh, will he be 100 percent for the opening game? Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I it's, you know, uh, uh, college football, you know, ain't exactly, you know, Belichickian. Right. That's you know, true. with the injury report. But uh, yeah, um, but you're talking about Sanford. Look, this has been a program that has tried to bring in transfers before and have yeah. them be, be a cohesive team. And it hasn't really worked for them. Um, and will it work this time? I mean, history tells us probably not. So right. uh, I, I think maybe they are what they are. And but I, I said it earlier on you know if they don't do something this year i honestly believe somebody else is going to be leading them next year and it's going to have to be a complete and total tear down rebuild i think you know like on a cal poly type tear down yeah. and rebuild you know where you went from in the triple to try to run the air raid well it's going to take you a whole recruiting cycle pretty much to to be able to do that so you know there's certainly been you know uh, uh the the shot was given to Chris Hatcher at Sanford. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's been there a long, yeah. long time. And they've won exactly, you know, nothing. So, really. So, uh, but you're right about Alex Ramsey, uh, you know. But, but here's the thing. Like I said, uh, the fact that there's an experienced hand at quarters of little Bulldogs, uh, they brought in a 242-pound 
be back from uh, SMU uh, to uh, back up Ramsey. Uh, you know, he's he's a load to bring down. It's my understanding he's the fastest kid. He's not going to run away from you. But, you know, when uh, when you want four yards of play out of that guy, uh, you know, a guy who's 240 pounds, a little tough to bring down. So, um, you know, and, but uh, defense is there. If I had to pick one team that I said would that I would say is going to overachieve tremendously from where they're picked, it would be the little dogs. I I don't mind that pick because I mean I think when you look at especially with the departure of Chris Edmonds, I I don't even know. I was talking to an ETSU guy who was who was very very high on some of the defensive backs who, uh, you know, with Jalen Price and then um, there's another one at ETSU that was. That's an absolute stud. I'm blanking on his name right now, but Destin Mack, in my opinion, is the best corner in the SoCon right now. And when you look and at Poole his game, is somebody who, as a sophomore, you know, look, it was his first year playing corner last year, man, ever. Yeah. And and you're getting votes for a freshman of the year. You know, this yeah. he might be the most Mack may be the most solid player right now, but I think Poole yeah. has an opportunity to be like the Delaney at our level, you know, so, yeah. but, but, uh, man, I'll tell you again, what do you think? You've asked me what I think. Who do you think is going to win the league, man? You put, you made me put it out there. You tell me. Oh, uh, we were getting, we were getting there. We were getting to the okay, all right. predictions, okay. our okay. top three. That was the next one. I was, you know, always with the guests, I'll let them go first. I kind of give mine. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll take this one for me. I, I'm going to lean due to some of the late departures that Mercer had. I'm a just by hair give it to Chattanooga. I know, I know, like you said, they were a six and five team last year. But when I look at, you know, there's talent and then there's dominant. Like I think when you look at a guy, even just in college football history, like in the Damakinsu, he was just dominant. Like you had to game plan for him, or he was going to wreck your day. That is how I feel about Devonshin Maxwell at the defensive line spot for Chattanooga coming into this year. He just, when you look at some of the little bit of weight he's put on, he's looking a lot faster. And we saw what he did last year. I think potentially he could be one of the most devastating and most impactful defensive linemen who he can play outside. He can play the three tech, be able to move him around and putting him in good situations. I think is really going to set him up for success. I also love the offensive lineman. Listen, I know they lost Cole Strange, but you mentioned him earlier. McClendon Curtis is still a problem at that in that offensive line. And me being a former O lineman, I absolutely love his game. And they got some young guys coming up who I think could be really good as well. It's really hard to see the field at Chattanooga and offensive line. They're returning their leading rusher. The one question I have is, can they get a guy? at quarterback who can win them the game and that's the question for me is do they have that game changer quarterback because I think when you look at the team offensive line set you're running back set you you solid on the defensive line linebacker with Todd Beck and some of those guys they have coming back set there as well the secondary looks looks I would say acceptable we'll see if anyone emerges as a superstar back there but quarterback Got to have a quarterback to make a deep run in the playoffs. You might be able to win the SoCon if, if depending on how the schedule works out, but to win in the playoffs for the conference, you better get a quarterback. So the, that's the one question I have. And if Chattanooga doesn't win the conference this year, I have real question marks on if they're if they're going to be able to break through with a team that they have. 
coming in the future because they it's lined up very nicely for them. I got Mercer at two. I still think Mercer is going to come through. And then I'm going to slide ETSU and Western Carolina into that three and four spot. I think you could probably flip them. I'm really interested to see Tyler Riddell's development at the quarterback spot. You know, I did hear from camp that he wasn't the shoe in at starter, but talking to uh, Coach Quarles at SoCon Media Day, it based on what he was saying, Riddell's separated himself in so far throughout the summer and fall camp. So it looks like Riddell's probably going to be the guy. And I think the SoCon might be the only conference where you had a backup win offensive player of the year for preseason and Jacob Saylor's yep. at the running back spot, who's an absolute stud. But I do have a, I do have some question marks outside of Tavon Matthews on the offensive line. And I don't know if they have the game changer on the defensive line that you're going to need to go up against some of these physical offensive lines. And that's the big question mark for me for um, ETSU. But I, I think Western Carolina, I've already mentioned it. Kerwin Bell, talking to him and all the talent he got from Florida at the defensive back spot. If some of those young guys have breakout years and that defense can, I, I won't even say be good, to be honest with you, man. I, I'm, I'm saying if they can just be like top six, top five in the, in the SOCON, that team is going to be really tough to beat. So I think you could flip those around, but those would probably be my top four teams right now in the SOCON. You know, I have a tendency to agree with you, but you hit the nail on the head about Chattanooga. You know, is Copeland the guy? I mean, it seems like he's going to be given every opportunity to prove that he's not. Yeah. You know, they they bring in the transfer from one of the directional Michigans, uh, yeah. Eastern or Western. I mean, I, I have a hard time keeping those straight. But, you know, he is not a big fella. You know, uh, uh, you know he, he's not your prototypical, you know, uh, college quarterback. But you you make the – you hit the nail on the head. Chattanooga, man uh, – the lines are fantastic, but if you don't have a guy who's, you know, taking the ball from the shotgun or under center, who can go out and, you know, have a two-minute drive to win the football game, you're not going to win the SOCOM, you know, and that's what they've been lacking. And I think it was telling that you mentioned ETSU quarterback situation. You know, uh, uh, I think that that team relied heavily on Quay Holmes and Jacob Saylor's last year. Yeah. And that really, I mean, Riddell didn't have to be that good because the guys no. were just wide, stinking open, you know. And I think that uh, what you saw in the Fargo Dome was, you know, the fact that they could go man on man. The Bison could, with the receiver, stack the box, which other teams weren't able to do. And, you know, that obviously that hurt them. But, you know, in my mind, and Obviously, you know, in the uh, minds of the other media people and the coaches, you know, Rydell is serviceable, but he's not like if ETSU is the best team, you know, he's not going to win SoCon Offensive Player of the Year. He's just not that type of player. And uh, but, you know, with Western, I totally agree with you, dude. If that if they can just get off the field four or five times, you know, uh, that will help them tremendously. And because, like we discussed, they're going to score points. But I think the wild card is Mercer. And, yep. you know, I think that Mercer, and maybe they'll simplify things a little bit, but Coach Chronic runs an offense that isn't particularly easy. They want to do so many things, give you so many looks. You know, heck, they there were a couple of times on film I saw them in the flex bone last year. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, now 
it, it, it may have been weird how they got there with the receivers and all, but, you know, that's what it was. And, and the fact that they want to do so many things, I wonder if they just don't feel now they don't have to try to fool you. You know, yeah. they can come out and do what they want to do. And I think if that's the case, I think you may th- see this be Mercer's year. But we'll have to see. And I- I'm very interested. Who knows? Furman could, you know, with a new coordinator, you know, maybe, you know, they have some guys who, you know, were buried on the depth chart who come out and, and you know, do extremely well. Like, I, I know it's the mantra. Nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one thing that we do know is that it's going to be a long year for Wofford, yeah. I think. And, you know, again, that is just odd to say. Mm-hmm. But then again, week one, quarterback questions in Chattanooga, maybe Wofford shocks them. Yep. You know, I do know this, that every week in this league is, you know, you can't afford to lose ball games to people that you ought to beat because it does come back to bite you. And we'll have to see, brother. I, I'm, I'm as excited about this SOCON season as I have been in a long time. I'm as excited about this FCS season as I have been for a long time. Uh, you know, uh, it's hard not to be excited living where I live in the Bitterroot Valley of Montana. Bozeman's a couple of hundred miles away. Missoula's 25 miles away. You know, uh, going to Big Sky Media Day, I'll tell you, uh, Bobby Houck does not lack for confidence, but there yeah. seemed to be a little extra spring in his step uh, in Spokane. And I think that if they can get good quarterback play, I mean, look, they were in that ball game against James Madison until the quarterback got hurt, and they had yep. no depth there. Well, now they do. You know, they bring mm-hmm. in Lucas Johnson uh, from San, from the other SDSU, right? The the one yeah. in San Diego, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, he's and and they also bring in a kid who was a walk on at Oregon to be the backup. So yep. there's going to be depth at quarterback. And if man, with Marcus Knight returning. You know, he's kind of their Alex Ramsey. How, when will he be in there? When, you know, uh, man, it, 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 this just doesn't feel like this year everybody's playing for the right to lose to the Bison in Frisco. You know, I think there are a couple of teams that, that could give NDSU and will give NDSU a run when they, however the bracket shakes out once we get done with the regular season. Uh, I think that number one contender, I mean, there was, when I was making my bracket, I know a lot of people, and I I know like Reddit FCS and some people were talking about, I mean, yes, you got to give North Dakota State the benefit of the doubt just because, I mean, it's very rare for a team who is coming off their ninth national title in the last 11 years to be returning the amount of talent that they're returning outside of Christian Watson. And they lost the, um, the one linebacker to West Virginia, but really outside of that and uh, Cordell Volson, everybody is coming back. Like Spencer Wagey has got like eight years of eligibility. And right. He's a right. multiple time All-American. Like th- th- I get why they're looked at like that, but I think when you start looking a little bit underneath about the spring season really made the fall season for me very weird. Even being a newer FCS guy, and I remember watching the FCS when I was younger, I was a big Jacksonville State fan growing up. I just felt weird because there were so many guys who couldn't play due to injury or missed half the season due to injury or got injured in the fall season because they their bodies couldn't play 20 games, 30, you know, 25 games in a year if you made a deep playoff run. And so 
I think this year we're going to we're going to see a lot of teams like South Dakota State. I keep telling people they're not going to roll over for North Dakota State and that team no, is going no. to be a problem. Like Mark yes. Ronikowski is the real deal. I think people forget mm-hmm. what he could do and listen, Isaiah Davis, I'm just going to tell you guys is yep. a problem at running back and when you yep. have an offensive line with three all-Americans on it, potentially all five could be all-conference players by the end of the year. I mean, it's, it's the, the secondary. We'll see what it turns out. But I'm glad you mentioned Montana. You know, I, I know we're supposed to be a SoCon episode, but last episode I had Chris on, you know, talking about the big sky and, you know, he went with Montana State. But for me, I know everyone keeps bringing up the quarterback problems for Montana, man. But I, I don't know if it's just me because I've seen him play and I've, I've done a little bit of film study on him. Lucas Johnson is the real deal, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. You don't you don't yeah. go eight and one as a starter at San Diego State, including right. a bowl game win, and be a scrub. Right. right. And you give him Marcus Knight coming back, who just to let you know is going to suit up Week One. Um, they just did an interview with him in fall camp, and he said that in the interview he almost was in tears because he's so excited to get out there. So when you're that motivated and you got fresh legs and you're healthy, he could be a problem. And that defense, man, I mean. Listen, I, I'm I'm not biased, but uh, Justin Ford, in my opinion, hasn't. I think, in my opinion, is the best defensive back in the country, and yep. would potentially rank above a lot of FBS guys at the corner spot with the talent that he has. And then you got Patrick O'Connell, of course. Alex Grubner comes back at the defensive tackle spot. We'll see. I think the one question mark, you know, O'Connell plays a little bit of edge, but do they right. have a guy when they need O'Connell to play more of a linebacker spot? Can someone get to the quarterback from the edge? That's a that's a question mark, and we know what the offensive line question marks have been for Montana over these past few seasons. But, man, I'm excited. I'm just as excited as you. I think there's a lot of good teams, and there's a lot of up-and-coming teams, I think, yep. as well, where you have new names. You have Mercer being ranked in, I think, four top 25s now um, in the preseason from different media outlets, including you and myself. And I believe hero, I don't remember if it was hero or Athlon had them. And I think they were in the FCS stats. And so Mercer, I don't think has been ranked in the preseason. I can't remember the last time that they were almost a consensus pick to be in the top 25, just off the top of my head. And then you've got Jackson state potentially being a top 10 team, by the end of the year with a five-star corner coming in with all that talent that Coach Sanders has put together, you have – I mean, there's just so many up-and-coming – I think even you can look at like an incarnate word with uh, G.J. Uh, Kenny coming in. Mm-hmm. They get a grad transfer quarterback, but incarnate word's got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball that I think people are kind of, in my opinion, overlooking. I think I was talking to Chris, Sac- Sacramento State, in my opinion, I know it's a team that hasn't really been – proven in the playoffs but man if they can get it together that returning nine starters from a team who just won the big sky for the second time uh man that if that team makes some waves in the playoffs i I would be concerned to see them on the schedule all troy taylor's done is go 15 and one in the big sky exactly (laughs) he's been at sack you know and 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 yeah it's easy to you know to say well the playoff success hasn't been there and it hasn't but, you know, I put them at number five. I ranked them above Montana State in my preseason poll. And I put Montana at two, Montana State at seven. I think just like we discussed with some SOCON teams, you know, Montana State, yeah, they're, the skill guys they're having to replace, tough, right? I mean, uh, McCutcheon, you know, uh, uh, Afonso is going to be back, which is good for them. But two, three offensive linemen going to be new faces, 
And, you know, and we all, and we all know that, yeah, those guys might end up gelling and it will probably end up being a really good group, but will it be a really good group for gold rush? I mean, we'll have to see. Um, So, or, and the week and week two, or is it going to take them two, three, four weeks to gel together? We'll see. But that's the only reason why I put Montana state lower than most people did is because they have those question marks on the offensive line. But you mentioned uh, the Grizz, and look, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the Grizz are back was the mantra, right, of of Montana yeah. fans for you know four, five, six years. But I think it's actually true, and I think if Coach Houck was being honest, he would say that last season and the season before they were probably a little head of uh, ahead of the schedule that he had for them in yeah. their mind success. A little bit more success came a little earlier than he probably thought. I think this is the year, um, and I'd be disappointed if uh, the Grizz, uh, you know, didn't win the Big Sky and didn't make a nice deep run in the playoffs. And uh, looked, uh, it's really strange, right, that uh, Montana State, you know, gets to the national championship game and it makes it makes it a really successful season for them. But you have some people who root for the Bobcats who don't consider it a successful season unless they beat the Grizz and vice versa, yeah. you know? So, uh, so if you ask Montana state people, would you rather, you know, be the runner up nationally and lose to the Grizz or beat the Grizz and lose in the second round of the playoffs? Right. You know? So, yeah. uh, but man, it's just, it's as wide open beyond North Dakota state as it's been in a long time. And, like you mentioned, man, NDSU just brings a whole lot of dudes back, and it's hard not to say, you know, that yeah. they're head – but, you know, you would just happen to think, right? And and I've discussed this with some people before that, you know, yes, they've been dominant in winning titles. But, man, yeah. just like we talked about with the SOCON, four, five, six plays, you know, uh, uh, just think about that Brock Jensen quarterback draw against Georgia Southern. If he gets tackled yeah. at the one yard line, you know, uh, you know the the drive Wentz had in the championship mm-hmm. game, you know, the, it, things have kind of gone their way. Now champions yep. make those type of plays, but you yep. would think that at some point, one season, maybe to throw a pick <laughs> six or the ball would, you know, they'd put the ball on the ground when they maybe that happened during the spring season, right? So I, I think a I think whole you bunch could consider- of luck kind of went away from them then. Yeah. I think you could consider that because, I mean, really, if you look back at that season, I, do you have do you have a different perspective of how that playoffs would have went if it was played in the fall and Trey Lance doesn't opt out of the season? Wow. Wow. I mean. So, I mean, COVID yeah. probably COVID really and truly probably is the only reason they don't have 10 out of the 11 absolutely. national championships. Absolutely. Cause absolutely. you have a court cause you prepare, cause even in the fall, they play the exhibition with Trey Lance. So right. you prepare Arkansas. All, yep. Yeah. All season for Trey Lance, who never lost a college game to go out there and play, never had a turnover. And then all of a sudden he's out and you got to throw somebody in last second. I tell people all the time, like really and truly people better be lucky that, you know, the COVID season pushed to the spring because if they yes. get Trey Lance, I don't know if that team gets beat in the playoffs like they did, yep. in my yep. opinion. And I really like Cam Miller. You know, it, yeah, it seems like they've that they brought in an FBS transfer to try to replace him now, what, two times? And yeah. he's still there. 
And, you know, and, and I think that's a guy his teammates have to believe in, you know, because, oh, yeah. man, they've done everything but sit you down and say, we don't think you're the guy. But, exactly. man, they've had to go to him, and he's proven that he is the guy. And, you know, as easy as it is for a, for a kid now to say, well, it's not going my way right here at this place. I want to get in the portal, and I want to transfer somewhere else. He didn't do that. He stayed and he fought. And, it, man, you've yep. got to admire that. And I, I really like him. I think having a full season uh, and then the offseason with the reps, his short passing game will get better. And I think Cam Miller, he might not be somebody we're going to talk about in the same breath as Wentz and Lance, yeah. but he could be an Easton Stick type guy, Yeah, you know, uh, very easily. And I think NDSU is primed. Uh, I like those people in Fargo. I will say this. Most of them have handled their success with that Midwestern, aw, shuck, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could be just absolutely disgustingly arrogant if they wanted to, right? They've earned the right to yeah, be, yeah. but they're not. And I think that you betcha, you know, type of whole attitude, you know, is, is why they're not. But, man, uh, again, I don't think this season is just who's going to get to Frisco and get beat up by North Dakota State. I think it's real wide open, and I'm as excited as I've ever been, my friend. I think it's really good for the FCS, too, because I know experience and all the losses, there's a lot of uncertainty, I feel like, from some fans on like what the future of the FCS looks like with realignment. Because, I mean, you look over the past few seasons, mm-hmm. like the FCS has experienced some losses and everything. But it I think always a lot of people has. Are worried. Yeah, it always is a lot of worry. I think it's uncertainty, I mean, though, like you mentioned that. I mean, because yeah. I think there's uncertainty about the group of five, too, because if the power five power structure kind of breaks away from the incident of belay, a lot of people are like, All right, well, what happened? So I think it's more uncertainty than anything. But I think having a new champion, I think it is for me, I'm a dynasty guy like I. I, I love when I love any dynasty because I, I think it's amazing to see something that's hard to do like that. And so it would be great to see North Dakota State get a 10th national title in 12 years or whatever it is like that would be and with three different head coach. I mean, it, it's incredible what they've done. But I think for the longevity, it would be great if somebody else got it, especially a first time winner too. right that went in there and got it, like a South Dakota State or even. You know, I'm I'm a lot higher than some people just because a triple option has a different effect. But man, if Kennesaw State can make a deep run and make a little bit of waves, that would be really fun to watch. I think because I really like Xavier Shepard. I, I, I think do too. He, in terms of an athlete, man, you you can't take anything away from him. And I think a lot of people do just because of the offense he runs. But I mean, if South Dakota State goes in there and wins, or even Montana Montana State breakthrough, I, I know they got previous national titles, but it's been a long time or just someone comes through and, and kind of shakes it up a little bit. I think it'd be good for the FCS either way. So as much as I like to see a new champion, man, I just want to see a good game. I think that's what a lot of people took away from last year is, you know, right. Would that game be any closer if Tommy Malott doesn't go down potentially, but that defense has such a hard time stopping Hunter Lipke and Kobe Johnson and even Christian Watson at times who wasn't even fully healthy for that game. So potentially but for me i think a dream matchup i it in terms of atmosphere wise could you imagine a north dakota state south dakota state rematch in in frisco that would i mean in terms of interest and what would happen to that environment in that city in that stadium i don't i don't know if you could match it in terms of a real matchup in that national championship 
Sure. And look, I, there would be people in a very uh, large landmass with very few uh, people who occupy those land masses that would yep. be excited about that. Right. But you mentioned Kennesaw. You know, I'm interested to see what happens to them this season when they play somebody every week. You know, uh, it was much easier for the Owls to be real fresh in the playoffs when you had to win the Big South. You know, yeah. uh, it's different playing their schedule this season. And that's been oh, my yeah. knock on them is that, you know, how can you give, you know, make them a seed or, you know, when they haven't played anybody whose strength of schedule, you know, is, you know, it, it was horrible. Right? Yeah. And, you know, they've made some runs in the playoffs, though. So that kind of silenced mm -hmm. a lot of the critics. But I'm interested to see what happens when they have to play somebody every week, especially in an offense like the triple where you want to be, the, you know, so we'll see. But, uh, man, uh, Frisco is a great place. I've really enjoyed getting there for the uh, championship game. Hope to see you there this year, man. I will be there. I, I was supposed Excellent. to last year. I was supposed to last year. I got COVID right before. Oh, so right. kind of into the trip um, right. in terms of that. But I will, I will be there this year. I got a whole, you know, game day schedule this year. I'm going to be doing just like my own FCS game day where I pick my own nice. games of the week. And I just go down nice. there and, and do it. And one of the games I'm going to, I think it's going to be interesting. The final week of the season Kennesaw has to go to Eastern Kentucky and go yep. play up there in Richmond, Kentucky. And I don't yep. think that Eastern Kentucky team is going to be a pushover. Parker McKinney's a good quarterback, you know. And, and uh, Matthew you know, Jackson those. is a yep. problem Yep. on, on the yep. defensive side of the ball. And I yep. I, I think Wells at, at the head coaching spot it, is going to be a guy who, if he, man, if he gets that thing rolling, because they landed a four-star last year. Yeah, that I don't think did. people people don't talk that Jackson State and Campbell get all the shine for right. the four and five stars they landed, but Eastern Kentucky got over there and they got a really good defensive back who had offers yep. from major programs. So, yep. but man, I appreciate you coming on the show, giving me over an hour of your time. But this time, I want to let you plug all the different things you do. I know you're so busy, got a lot of stuff going on, and let people know where they can follow you on social media and everything like that, man. Look, just at FCS Nation Radio One on Twitter is the best way to is the best way to do it. Um, uh, and wherever you get your podcast, we're going to try to do a little better with putting the podcast out earlier this year. At FCS Nation Radio One on Twitter is the best way. Uh, we really want you to listen on the radio if you can, but we're going to do a much better job this year getting the podcast out earlier for people to be able to listen. Uh, it's going to be a real exciting year. Really looking forward to it. And I thank you for having me, man. Uh, I could go on talking about the SOCOM for another hour, but thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Guys, make sure to go go follow FCS Nation Radio 1 on Twitter. I promise you, definitely a must-follow if you want all the latest on FCS football news from around the country. But guys, for, for both of us, for the Blue Bloods, we are out for right now.